Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We're starting a new sermon series, actually started it last week called Resurrection Living, and we're going to be looking through the book of Acts and talking about how through the power of the resurrection, it changed literally everything about the way they lived, how they acted, and what they did. And we're going to start uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts, so that would be Acts chapter 1. That's exactly right. Acts chapter 1. See, even music people can be theologians, and, and or they, they are theologians, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so turn over to Acts chapter 1. You know, when you think about resurrection living, it's a totally new way of thinking, uh, a totally new way of being. Uh, I'm starting here with something totally new. This is a brand new Bible I'm preaching with this morning. I don't know if it preaches or not yet. So if it, it, this is not a good sermon, it is not my fault. It's that this is not a preaching Bible, okay? But we will find out in a few minutes. And I know what you are thinking. Glad you got rid of that old one because it wasn't a preaching Bible for two or three years. I know that's what you're, what you're thinking. Has hey, really an interesting story uh, about uh, an artist in Japan. And he was trying to find some sort of unique uh, thing that had never been done in the art world before, which is kind of hard to do uh, after thousands of years of human living and everything. But he started working with aluminum foil. And uh, so he just took some aluminum foil, got a picture, and he kind of formed the aluminum foil into a ball. And he thought, okay, that's not quite dramatic enough. Who thinks that's dramatic enough? So he started working with the aluminum foil and smoothing it out. And this is what he came up with uh, at the end of that. And so he calls it polished aluminum foil, and he's doing all kinds of artwork with the aluminum foil. And now it's become the new craze in Japan. Everybody is taking the aluminum. They're trying to mold it and make it and pound it into something that's completely different. And when we think about resurrection living, that's literally what has happened with us. God is taking that old part of our life, and he is molding and making it, and at times pounding it into something that's totally new. And that's what we're going to see as we start over in our scripture passage in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And the first thing we see is this. Understanding our new reality that we are a part of resurrection living now in our faith. Uh, the new reality that came through the resurrection. Sometimes understanding that's hard to do. The new reality is often hard for us to grasp. That we've gone from a, 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 an existence where there was fear and, and despair and grief to, to hope and new life and the power of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that with the disciples in our scripture passage. Now, as Acts chapter 1 starts, it's really interesting what's going on here. Uh, we saw last week Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead. When he appeared to the disciples, they were afraid, hiding in that upper room. The doors locked. And three times he said to them, peace be with you. He came to give them that shalom and that wholeness. And that's where we pick up in verse 3 of Acts chapter 1. Now after his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. 
So we're talking about the fact here that resurrection living is sometimes hard for us to grasp, this new reality. So Jesus appears to the disciples over a 40-day period. And we're told he does certain things with them when he appears to them. Uh, first of all, he convinces them that he's really alive. You would have thought one appearance might have done that. But, but uh, you know, they're thinking, have I seen a ghost? Is this really real? Surely this isn't happening. So over a period of time, he's convincing them he's really alive. He's showing them in Scripture uh, uh, the things they need to know. And he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now, that's interesting because that was Jesus' main message during his earthly ministry was bringing in the kingdom of God. So he's telling the disciples, nothing's changed. I'm not going to be here literally any longer. You are, your job is to tell people the good news of the kingdom of God, that God's kingdom is available to you here now at this very moment. And we're told that he did this teaching and this convincing over a period of 40 days. Now, why did he need to teach and convince the disciples for a period of 40 days? Because some of us are slow learners. That, that's why. That, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, the, the disciples needed to be convinced that this was really true. It was such a different reality. They've gone from being scared to being bold, they were told. They've gone from being unsure to confident, from despair to hope, to, uh, to being defeated to never giving up, to feeling like everything is gone, that they're going to overcome all things. That's a hard place to be when just a a few days earlier you were hiding in a room filled with grief and Jesus is trying to convince them that they now have this new reality that has come upon them. Uh, Anybody here watch uh, the the TV series, The Crown? Okay, yeah, y'all need to get a life, you know. So let's just go on. I was just curious. Uh, no, you know, it's about Queen Elizabeth. And I was reading an article about Queen Elizabeth. I actually do watch it. It's, it's interesting uh, as we go there. But uh, Queen Elizabeth was 26 years old when she became the Queen of England. For 26 years, she was a princess. Her sister, uh, Margaret, for 22 years, they were just two sisters that grew up together. We got a picture of Elizabeth and Margaret here uh, growing up, just two sisters. Uh, you know, that's the way it was. And then suddenly... King George, her dad died when she was 26 and Margaret was 22 and everything changed. And in the article I was reading, Elizabeth talked about it this way. She said that they came in and they told me that my dad had died. And she said, I remember sitting down in a chair and starting to cry. And my mom and my sister were in the room and I looked to them for support. And when I looked at them, they got down on their knee and said, your highness, and suddenly everything changed. A new reality had come into being. No longer was this mom and sister. They were now subjects of the monarch of England. Got a picture of them as they grew up, and there's Margaret having to wear different clothes than her sister and stand behind her because a new reality is now come into play. New realities are often hard to grasp. Can you imagine being Margaret and for 22 years that was just your sister and now suddenly she's your queen and she's got to act like she's your queen? Can you imagine your sister being your queen? Oh man, that would be hard, wouldn't it? That would be very hard. Who here thinks they think that their sister thinks they're a queen? Anybody? Okay, yeah, several of you. I see that that out there right now, but we won't get into that, okay? Well, We'll we'll just keep going on. But it was a totally new reality that's hard to grasp. It was hard for the disciples. Look at verse 6. It shows you how much they were trying to struggle with this. 
Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that might not seem like much to you, but it's actually really funny, okay? Uh, put funny in your Bible if you write it right in your Bible or something. So Jesus has been teaching them for 40 days about the coming of the kingdom and their job in bringing in the coming of the kingdom. And then the day he's about to ascend to go back to God, the last time he's with them after teaching for 40 days, do you know what the disciples, the very last thing they ask him? Are you finally going to do what you should have done a long time ago? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because this was their thinking. When the Messiah comes, it's clear in Scripture, when the Messiah comes, he takes over in power and glory and rules the world. You've done none of that. You came and suffered and died on a cross, and now we've seen you alive for 40 days. Are you finally going to do what you were supposed to do? That's the last thing they asked Jesus. And it was the furthest thing from his mind, okay? He, what he was trying to do was prepare them to go out and suffer and tell the good news. And they're still saying, are you finally going to take over the world like you were supposed to? And so look at what he says in verse 7 of them. They still don't get it. He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority. Jesus is coming back to take over in power and glory, just as the scripture had predicted. We call that today the second coming, but they never even had a first coming until, until that very moment. So they didn't understand all of scripture. But Jesus said, look, this isn't what we're talking about. It's not for you to worry about. Verse 8, you're going to receive power when the spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's not what I want you to worry about. God will take care of the day and time when he comes in power and glory and the world becomes what it's supposed to be. But here's the deal. Until then, your job is to go to the whole world with the good news. They still didn't get it up to the very last moment because it's hard for us sometimes to grasp the new reality. And it's hard probably in your life too. Life can get hard. You can get beaten down. It just becomes routine and you go through the motions to get up and think like I am living in the power and the new reality of the resurrection. Sometimes that's hard for us to grasp on a daily basis as we go through our life that we're living in resurrection times. That brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture. Resurrection living comes from God's spirit and not our efforts. It comes from God's spirit and not our efforts. Now, this is key. Resurrection living isn't something you can just study and gain. It's not like I'm going to go learn French or, or, or Spanish or something. It's not like I'm going to brush up on my, my algebra. Uh, I'm going to go to a restaurant and learn to throw an axe. It's not like something you can learn. Anybody here been to that place where you throw an axe, by the way? Okay, was it fun? Okay, all right. Uh, is your husband afraid now? A little bit, a little bit. All right, yeah, yeah, you should be, you should be. All right, only one couple is gone. Come on, boring people, get out there and do some stuff with your spouse. What could be more romantic than throwing axes together? Okay, so go to, but it's not a skill that you learn. Uh, resurrection living comes through the power of the Spirit. It's not something you learn, it's not something you manage, it's not about sin management. And which sometimes we think the Christian life is. If Jesus died so you could have sin management, man, wouldn't that be a terrible uh, part of, you know, that's, that's the whole resurrection. He died so I can get control of my sins a little bit. And yet that's what most Christians, how they live their life. It's all about sin management. 
Uh, and, and, you know, I, I want to hold my sins down, not do as bad as I did yesterday, not make that mistake again. Resurrection living is not something you can learn, and it's not about sin management. C.S. Lewis wrote this, Jesus didn't come so that bad people would become good. He came so that dead people would become alive. There's an entirely different deal there. He didn't come for bad people to get their lives better. You know, you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can go to, to support groups and read books and, uh, and just have raw determination, uh, discipline. You can do things to make your life better. Uh, you can follow things that will lift you up and encourage you and make you stronger. And all of those things are fine. But it's not why Jesus come, came. He didn't come to... Too, so your life would be a little bit better than it is now and you could get a better hand on your sin. He came so that you could have a new life in him, something you can't have by yourself. Bulgaria, and I know everybody here is always interested in the, in the weather in Bulgaria. Uh, Bulgaria has had a really bad cold snap here in April. Now, who can imagine that in Kentucky, that there would actually be a cold snap in April? Well, they've got migrating storks. And the weather got so cold that people weren't going outside or anything. Uh, They were all ready for spring and this cold snap hits. And then they discovered that all these storks that were migrating for the winter were freezing and dying. And they could do nothing to help themselves because the weather had turned so bad. So guess what the people in Bulgaria started doing? They started bringing the storks into their houses to save them. Uh, got got some pictures uh, right here of going. Got another one here. Uh, uh, the stork just has become a part of the family. Uh, they wins breakfast. Uh, you know what, what's going on there? These storks could have done nothing to have saved themselves. Something from the outside brought them in and made life different for them. Resurrection living isn't something we can bring ourselves. It comes from another place. Where does it come from? Look at verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised you, which you heard me speak about. John baptized you with water. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So resurrection living isn't something you manufacture inside of yourself. It's not, it's not a discipline you learn. It's something that comes from God's spirit. It's a gift, we're told, that God gives you. It's not something you, you just manufacture. Look at verse 7. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this isn't something they're doing in and of themselves. It's something that God is doing. It's through his power, through his spirit. Resurrection living isn't something we get from, from, from our own discipline. It's something that comes from God. That brings us to the third thing that we see. If resurrection living is through the power of expi- from the spirit, then God expects us to be active even when we're waiting for that spirit to come. Now, there's two different functions of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is inside of you, but you're also going to see the Spirit of God working in the world. And sometimes you're going to wonder, okay, where's God? Why is nothing going on? Why is God not doing anything? And we often call those waiting periods. And they're in a waiting period here in our scripture passage. Look back to verse 4 again. On one occasion he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem 
but wait for the gift my father has promised you. And so the disciples were told, okay, wait till you see God acting and God doing something and then jump on board. In your life, there will be times you think, okay, where's God? Why is he not doing anything? And what you need to be doing is realize in these waiting periods, you need to be actively looking for God to work, but you need to be living a consistent life as you're in that period of waiting. Where's God? What's he doing? Because those waiting periods can sometimes be the periods that mold us the most. I was reading an interesting study from Lowenbrawl University in England. And they said 30 minutes in a hot tub, you lose as many calories as 30 minutes of exercise. So doing nothing but sitting in a hot tub, according to their study, you'll lose as much weight as 30 minutes of exercise. Now, I know you're wondering, is that really true? Can you just sit in a hot tub? Can you just wait and get benefits like that? Well, I believe in trying things. Okay, so I've been in a hot tub for the last month. Here are the results of me being in the hot tub. So it works, right? Exactly. Uh, So waiting periods can be times that you still grow and mature and get closer to God. How is that the case? Well, what happens is in a waiting period, there's still things you were supposed to be doing. Uh, What do the disciples do during this waiting period? Because Jesus tells them uh, to wait. But look down again to verse 4. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. At this point, it hadn't come upon them. And then in verse 9, he's taken back into heaven. So what do the disciples do after Jesus has been taken back into heaven? They they do several things. Verse 14, uh, they all join together constantly in prayer. Uh, So they gather together as a group. They begin to pray. Uh, If you read the rest of this chapter, they appoint a 12th disciple because uh, Judas is dead and they they appoint a new disciple uh, that's going to take Judas's spot to to, uh, round out uh, the field there, basically. So they're still active in doing things. What do you do in a waiting period? In a waiting period where you don't see God active or doing something right now, you still live consistently. You still help people. You still care for people. You still study and read scripture. Waiting periods can be the times you get the closest to God sometimes as you're, as you're really trying to develop and mold your faith. It's almost like surfing. Has anybody here ever surfed? Okay. One person. All right. All right. Oh, look, the whole front row. Yeah. Because they're active, they can come all the way down to the front. They're not afraid. They're not afraid of anything like that. If you're surfing and you get out there, and me being a semi-professional surfer, I know a lot about this. When you're surfing, you go out and you just don't wait for the first wave to come in. Sometimes you'll see a whole group of surfers out there, and they're all waiting for a good wave. Because if you don't, if you get a bad wave, you're not going to go very far. So you're waiting for this good wave to come in. And when they see it, they all get excited. They all get ready and they all get up on their boards. But sometimes that waiting period can take several minutes as you're waiting for the right wave. But when you catch the right wave, it brings you all the way in. And the thrill and the excitement is unbelievable. So what God is telling the disciples is this. There are going to be periods where there will be waves that you need to catch with me. And those will be unbelievable times where you will see the power and glory of resurrection living. 
But in the middle, in that waiting period, there's still things you need to do. You should be reading your Bible, getting closer to God, treating people with respect, helping those that need help. There are still things that you do. So what did we learn this morning? This is kind of the foundation as we get started about resurrection living. First of all, you've got to reorient your thinking. And you've got to reorient your thinking to think, I am living on the good side of the resurrection. And because of that, there is power and things available to me that have never been available to the people of God before. The second thing is that's, that power isn't something you can manufacture yourself. It comes from God's spirit. And so our job is to wait till we see God working. Wait till we see God doing anything and then join him in what he's doing. To get right on board, to jump on that train when it comes, uh, to not miss it. And there will be times in your life where it'll be clear, God's wanting me to speak to this person. God's wanting me to do that. God's doing a work in my family here uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, And you will see God working and you need to join him as those waves come in. And then you'll begin to see the power of God and what he's doing in your life. And the last thing we saw was that when we're waiting, it doesn't mean God isn't with us or that the spirit isn't there because God's spirit is always inside of you. A lady in the Philippines did something interesting and didn't tell anybody in her family until this past week. Uh, Her daughter's whole life, she took pictures of her husband and her daughter because they would always hold hands uh, wherever they were going. I got some picture of them holding hands here as they're going through. And then, then the, the, the next one. So all the way up as she grows up, there's all of these pictures of her and her dad holding hands wherever they go. And when uh, her husband saw the picture and the daughter saw it, you know, it was very sweet and all of that. And, and they asked her, why were you taking those pictures? And she looked at her daughter and she said, because I want you to know there was never a day in your life that your dad and I didn't love you and were with you every single step of the way. My friends, there may be times in your life that seem like periods of waiting and you're wondering, where's God and what's he doing? But the truth of the matter is, if you could see the snapshots of your life, there's never been a moment that God hasn't been walking with you and holding your hand every single step of the way. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you are with us every day. Father, help us to live in the new reality of the resurrection. It's so easy to get sucked back in by the world and to to act like we are powerless. When, Father, you have given us a new life and a new being. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we come to this time of invitation, and during this time, it's really you responding to what God says to you. Uh, You can come pray at the altar. Ministers would love to pray with you. Every person in this room has got problems and troubles, and sometimes we just need to come and give them to God. And and if if you're at that place, then come and and, and give yourself to God and, and have people love to pray with you. You can come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. We've talked about the power of the resurrection. That power is only available when you accept Jesus and come into that new reality with him. And so this morning, you can come down this aisle and say, I want Jesus in my life. And you begin to experience what real, true resurrection living is all about. And then the last thing is to just think about what we've talked about this morning. And that God has 
a, a new life and a new vision for your life, a new purpose. And it may seem like a dead period right now, but in the waiting period, I encourage you to look. Because next week, chapter one of the book of Acts is followed by what? Chapter two. So yeah, you all are theologians. And in chapter two, we're going to see the coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And we're going to see what that power does. And so we're going to say, okay, what do we do when the Spirit is active? How do we jump on board and be a part of what God is doing? So you just pray in your life, Lord, in this period of waiting that I may be in now, help me to draw closer to you that I be ready when that time comes. But whatever God is saying to you, you respond in your own way as we stand together and we sing. life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Let's sing it together. You can have it all. Every part of my world. Take this life and
Thank you guys. Hey, think of chapter one of the book of Acts as if you're getting ready to go on a once in a lifetime vacation. But before you go, you've got to cancel the newspaper, get somebody to mow the grass, uh, get somebody to take your wild dog, uh, things like that. People you really don't like, watch your kids, you know, whatever, you know, you're, you got to pack and get it all ready. Chapter one is saying, Good things are coming, but you've got to get ready. And so that's kind of the point of what we're looking at, is that, that, that resurrection living is a great thing, but we've got to be prepared and understanding and looking for it so that when it comes, our bags are packed and we're ready to go. And next week, we're going to look at what happens uh, when the time comes uh, to get on the plane and take off. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. As we go out now, we just pray that we go out with this new reality of resurrection living in our life and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. 
hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.